our study showed that 40% of elementary school children have already chatted with a stranger online. My God. And over half of them have given out their phone number. This is the Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. I'm George Kamidi. I'm Ashley Stone. And today we are still recording from home during COVID-19 lockdown. Our guest is Patrick Craven, director for the Center for Cyber Safety and Education, uh, which is a nonprofit tied to uh, ISC Squared, which many cybersecurity professionals uh, know about. Their vision is to make the cyber world a safer place for everyone, and they're doing some incredible programs to share that information. Yeah, we um, talk a lot about the uh, awareness of cyber hygiene and cyber education as it relates to everyone getting uh, locked in at home and using their computers, and also the fantastic work that they're doing to bring up uh, cyber hygiene among the youngest uh, members of our population and try and teach those good habits from the start. Um, And without further ado, let's get into it with Pat Craven. Great. Well, thank you for joining us, Pat. So um, as a cybersecurity company, many of our listeners are familiar with ISC Squared. For those of you who are not, it is the International Information System Security Certification Consortium, which is a mouthful, which is why it's ISC Squared. Um, but it is a nonprofit that specializes in training and certifications for cyber professionals the world over, uh, often described as the world's largest IT security organization. But uh, it strikes us that many probably don't know or not as familiar with the Center for Cyber Safety and Education, formerly uh, called ISC Squared Foundation. So uh, just to kick things off, could you tell us a little bit about that center's mission? Sure. Well, thanks so much for having us today. And and we are part of ISC Squared, but we're a sort of a separate division because the Center for Cyber Safety and uh, Education is set up as a separate 501c3 under the umbrella of ISC Squared. So we're we're part of that family, yet uh, by IRS regulations, we're a separate entity. And so uh, it gives us some uh, advantages and some disadvantages at times, but it works out. So we're we're a nonprofit. that focuses on really more the human aspect of cybersecurity. Uh, We often refer to it as cyber safety to separate it from cybersecurity. When we think of cybersecurity and your listeners will, you know, you're, you're, you're thinking malware and attacks and all that kind of stuff. And what we're trying to focus on is teaching people, teaching families, children, parents, seniors, how to be safe online, just giving them some good practical, you know, hygiene kind of tips to help them do that. And, and so we, we've create programs uh, that volunteers that your know, members, your listeners can literally download and, and go out and put on presentations out in the community. That's, that's fantastic. And your organization's vision is to make the cyber world a safer place for everyone. And you've been taking great steps to fulfill that. What do you think is the most pressing threat out there in the cyber world right now that keeps it from being a safe place? 
I think a lot of it is, uh, it, it happens, uh, it being change is happening so fast. Um, we focus so much on the families. Parents can't keep up with it. Uh, all of us in the industry can't keep up with all the different things that are going on out there, new apps that are coming out, new means of communications. Um, and again, you have to be practically an expert just to be able to keep up with it. And parents aren't that. Uh, they're, they're going through their own challenges. We saw that with the COVID, where all of a sudden everybody is working from home and their kids are at home with them. And, and how does it possible that we actually want children to spend more time online? You know, that was a big lesson that came out of that is that we thought that would be impossible, yet that was really became a requirement. And, and I think that helped people realize we've got to learn more about safety uh, for ourselves and for our children. And so it's, I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges is it's constantly changing. Uh, um, out of the, the whole virus really helped get people to notice it. Um, it has, people hear about it, they think about it, they've heard of ransomware, they've heard of, you know, Zoom bombing now, you know, those kinds of things that, that never pertain to them. And now all of a sudden they realize that pertains to them. Yeah, I think we run into this quite frequently that we being in the trenches, when we sort of talk to family members or friends, that cybersecurity is often thought of as like a geopolitical issue or it's kind of like a big corporate issue, um, despite the fact that there are constant headlines about breaches um, from very popular accounts, Zoom being one of them. Um, it just never feels like it's an individual problem or a, or a parent problem. Oh, absolutely. It's never going to happen to me. Uh, I don't have anything that anybody would want. Why would somebody come after me? But um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, but I, if I remember the last time I saw something that the average ransomware was only like 600 bucks or 300 mm -hmm. bucks or something, some crazy number. And, and the reason is if it was $300, 500, whatever, and I'm going to lose all my photos, I'm going to lose everything on my computer. I, I might pay that, right? If it's 50,000, they can have it. Uh, there's, you know, I can't do that. And so the Unfortunately, I hate to use the word smart, but these guys are smart. They know what mm -hmm. the market is out there. And so it, we are as individuals all potential victims for this. I, I think one of the things that has happened, and it, it comes across in everything in life so much, is uh, not that they don't think it could happen to them, but they're, they're numb to it at this point because there are so many breaches. All of our stuff is out there. You know, but it's like, what else? You know? Um, you know, I've already, I, I know between all the hacks of all the big companies, my stuff's out there. So mm -hmm. what, what, what am I going to do about it? You know? Right. That's a, that's a great point. I mean, we've seen personally all of our email addresses have popped up in one or two of the data breaches over the last couple of years. Um, and you're talking about in this period of change, how people have really started to pay attention or, or see it become more personalized. So how has your organization made adjustments um, with what you're doing or how you're helping people stay safe online now that they've started to, to pay a little bit more attention? It, it's... Um has been actually great for us um, because people are beginning to realize but 
the need for it. Um, in the past, it was kind of in the back of their minds, but they didn't really see um, that it pertained to them as we were kind of just talking. And, and now all of a sudden they're beginning, it's hitting home with them. It's hitting home with their children. Like I said, who thought that we would be telling our kids to spend more time online. Now we need to make sure that we're doing something to protect them. Um, before as it was, it was an industry thing. It was something I had to worry about at work. I get, I have to do that darn fishing test every so often, <laughs> you know, that they keep sending out trying to, trying to trick me uh, to do it, but it never relates to home. And I think now it relates to home. And we've seen an explosion this year of outreach to us um, to to get more information. I mean, our web hits are are through the roof from anything we've ever had. Our blogs we're putting out um, are all just... I, I can't even come up with a word because they're so far beyond any numbers that we've ever hit before. And it, um, on our website, IamCyberSafe.org, we have materials for for parents and children and seniors. But we're constantly putting up new, fresh stuff. Uh, blogs constantly, even getting guest people to come in, experts to come in and put in blogs in order to keep the information fresh and current. And and so it's been a big change for us in that the uh, all the work we've been doing is being recognized and people are looking for us now and opportunities such as this and other media outlets are contacting us the first week, if we can think way back, right, to uh, when the, the whole COVID and, and having us to work from home, it was kind of ironic. I had TV reporters at my house. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we're all supposed to be social distancing, <laughs> right. we're not going anywhere. And and I literally have them in my, my bedroom slash office um, with cameras doing live remotes talking about what people should be doing from home. Uh, people weren't ready for that. Yes, I think we there see this. people who worked from home, but now all of a sudden everybody was working from home and they had no idea of what they should be doing to remain safe. Yes, I think we see this most um, prominently with the school systems, which were essentially asked to suddenly go online with little to no previous technological training or uh, cybersecurity awareness. I mean, we saw that even with um, places like the New York Times, which would try to host these live Zoom efforts without password protecting the sessions and things like that. So there was a, a, a steep learning curve for many. I can only think also that it affects the parents in a way um, that's interesting to me. So you know, what we're dealing with now is the parents who are at home, a lot of them being millennials or sort of the Instagram generation, um, are also posting a lot of photos. They're chronicling their lives at home, which includes a lot of photos of their children. And there have been numerous you know, pieces about like the children growing up today are the first whose entire lives will be recorded on the internet, whether they offered consent or not. Um, and it strikes me that uh, I, we'd caught a couple of um, teachers who'd been posting without consent because in their minds, it was just Instagram. It was fun, but it was a public profile. It's a, it's like a COPPA violation nightmare. So I would think that there's a lot of cyber safety that grown-ups take for granted like they think it's just password protection but it's also the amount of information that you're sort of willfully giving up 
to whoever can see it. Yeah, have, you, those, have you seen anything there with respect to the parental levels of education? Yeah, and, and again, I think it just goes all of a sudden they're beginning to realize these things that they've been told uh, in the past to be thinking about. And, and it, it, I think it's a great point when you talk about the schools having to adjust and all of a sudden they're being online. I mean, kids, they're, they're scrambling just to get computers for kids mm-hmm. um, because they don't have enough computers. They share computers at the school and all of a sudden they need computers. So even those are not getting set up um, for security purposes as well as that being um, before they're handed out. They're just trying to get them out to the kids. So what you're talking about with the parents is is very much part of what we've been trying to teach. And that's what we're kind of excited that all of a sudden now people want to learn this stuff. They want to learn more about it. It's in our programs where we talk about those types of things as a parent um, that you got to be thinking about what you're posting. Not just children need to be thinking about it, but you need to be thinking about what you're posting about your children because you're you're right. Uh, it's going to be something that you think of it even from the kids' standpoint, and we've seen some of that. You know, it's all been around long enough where, you know, those fun, cute little baby pictures are not what that child wants out there when he's a teenager. Right. Uh, you know, of him getting a bath. Uh, that's not really what he's looking for uh, his senior year in high school. So uh, it, it is part of the educational process that we try to teach with parents is to, is to be thinking about that. And a, a great example we've all I'm sure thought of it is if you you think about the information, we make it so much easier for hackers to to be able to get all of our our personal information because we post it online from birth, literally mm-hmm. from birth, where we put up that oh we just had a little baby and his name is John Michael Smith you know whatever and and his grandparents love him and here's the grandparents well now we know your maiden names now we know uh, you know when he was born what hospital he was born at what city he was born in yeah basically all your standard password security questions. <laughs> what street they were on, right? Yeah. You know, what high school did you go to? <laughs> what was your first car? Yeah, it's um, all there. You don't have to really work hard anymore uh, to be able to get personal information to be, to uh, falsify somebody's identity. Yes, I'm, I'm sort of anticipating um, some weird questions from my own children who know that we are home because of what they call quote unquote, the virus. Um, one day we're going to have to talk about malware and viruses in computer. It's going to be very confusing uh, nomenclature, but we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get there. Well, actually um, it, may help. it may have the opposite. They may now get what a virus is yeah, and, true. and the, and the dangers of it. And it could kill your computer instead. That's right. You know. <laughs> That's right. Um, do you, uh, foresee any longer term implications from the pandemic so it's it sounds great that you're getting a lot of awareness you're getting more resource downloads and we've talked about how it, it you know even just the zoom bombing effect makes it very real for a lot of people right now do you foresee you know that behavioral change kind of extending into like the truly post-COVID period when we're past this and back in? Or or have you seen industry trends where behavior adjusts and sort of slides back? I mean, what are the 
ideally people are taking these lessons back into the workplace also, right? Like, you know, don't open this stuff while you're at home. It, it should extend into, into the office as well. Yeah. I, I'm optimistic that it's going to be uh, long-term changes um, for the good that people are going to be doing that both at home and at work, that they're now going to be much more aware about this. Your standard everyday employee was not worried about security on their zoom. Uh, you know, they, that's what the company told them to use and they just click on the button and they're, was. Um, and now they're going to be thinking more and more about it. So we actually see that as a good trend, uh, that parents now are thinking more about cyber safety with their children because they were put into this situation. Um, I, I've done a series of things on our, our, our website. Again, I am cybersafe.org that you can go to or our YouTube channel where we're trying to teach people about their home routers, um, mm -hmm. you know, that come with a default password that's literally stuck on the router. Um, and your installation guy has it and your friends that have come over and visited, you've given it to them to, to be thinking about that and time to change that up. And also, too, is something even from a business standpoint is that we're... Or we're on our now on our home Wi-Fi's, right? And we're using it. Well, guess what? Our kids are on that same one, and and they're down the hall, and we don't know what they're really doing. They're supposed to be studying, but now we don't know. Uh, it's all connected together, and and I am curious to see as more and more people start coming back to the office. To, are there things that are going to transfer over? Uh, potential problems that got loaded onto their computers uh, went from home that. Um, companies have to be careful with when they start hooking them back up to their their systems in the office yes we've um, one of our primary concerns uh, for our customers and others is that if you are on um, either a company device or your personal device off hours let's say you get fished on Instagram or somebody sends you something in whatsapp and the next day you have to VPN into your network I mean that's a, a clear mode of transit that was never conceived of because they didn't anticipate such widespread usage um, outside the castle walls, as it were. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's that's definitely a concern. It's a very distributed landscape. Um, I did want to shift gears a little bit. So ISC Squared is a nonprofit, as is the uh, Center for Cyber Safety and Education. And um, I read that you've been in the nonprofit industry for over 30 years. Um, and I am certain that it has been transformed in many uh, and some different ways in the private sector. Um, but are there any things that stand out from a from a security perspective as it pertains to the nonprofit sector? You know, strikes me as it may share some of the same risks, but it's you know, probably dramatically under resourced relative to you know a private corporation that's got an entire security team. Yeah, I think a big thing to think about is that you got to remember nonprofits are businesses mm -hmm. um, that just have a different accounting system to that. But they have they have personnel, they have payroll, they have all that information that any industry, uh, any business out there has. We just don't often think about it that way. And in many cases, they might have a lot more personal information because they have clients, they have volunteers, they have, um, whether it be students or, or children who are, you know, they're helping and they're feeding or they're educating. They Donor have roles. all that information uh, and they've got it on their, it, on their computers. Yeah. So donor roles where you've got all this personal information, medical records, even for many of these things mm -hmm. have medical records. And again, it goes back to what I mentioned earlier that, 
won't happen to me. Why I have nothing that they want. Oh my gosh, nonprofits have a ton of information uh, that organizations would want, but it has not been uh, a thought again because they don't think they have anything. And as you mentioned, uh, finances. You know, they they only have so much money. Typically, even with your nonprofit, there there's not a security department. There's often not even an IT department. Uh, it's somebody who does. That's another hat they wear. It's one of the things in the nonprofit world, we all wear lots of different hats. And uh, my own and ours, massive staff of five that's covering the world. Um, one of my staff members who um, heads up in our development of our programs and sort of our educational items, she also handles our IT. Uh, so, you know, that's often the situation that you run into with nonprofits that they don't, they have either somebody on staff doing it or they got some high school kid down the street who knew a little bit about computers and helped network them all together. And they were thrilled what an awesome day today is, you know, we mm-hmm. can all chat with each other. So I think it's a big problem out there uh, that we have to be thinking about in uh, small organizations, not just nonprofits, but even s- small businesses. Businesses, you know, they've got their clients' information. They might have credit cards all on file uh, that they're not thinking about the security side of it. They're they're just hoping to keep the computers working. Yeah, it's it strikes me um, as yeah, very much a yeah, maybe a corporate level issue. Um, you know, I, something that really stood out to me last year was when somebody took over the Twitter account of the. National Epilepsy Foundation and deliberately posted like high strobing uh, graphics, which is just cruel and sadistic, but certainly they had never considered that as a as a risk to them, social is the great equalizer that allows them to communicate, you know, cheaply and at, at a massive scale. So, yeah, I think that it's it's hard for those organizations um, when you only have one or two people that uh, know a few things. I know like the global cybersecurity Alliance tries to uh, offer some standardized toolkits, you know, like DMARC for email and things like that. But um, yeah. So, it, so do you think then for nonprofits that it's more a problem of awareness uh, or is it a problem of just having the technology to hand? I, I think I, I think starting off, it's awareness. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. think they're thinking about it. They're not even thinking about security in many cases. Now, maybe your bigger ones, you know, again, you got to think about when we often talk about a nonprofit, we're thinking of the local charity down the street, you know, yeah. um, versus the big national ones like a Red Cross or mm-hmm. something like that, where then they would fall into that big industry company uh, more than a small business. But your small local nonprofits are, are not focused on it. Um, and we have to remember too, security isn't just about uh, the technical side of it. It's what are their employees doing? What kind of training have they done with their employees? What are they doing with those files? When a, a, a volunteer turns in their application and there's a background check run on it and their social security numbers on that application, what's happening to that? How is that being filed? How is that being destroyed? 
Uh, there, there's oh not, yeah, for sure. A constant the IT part of it. Ac active directory nightmare, constantly rotating staff and <laughs> an army of volunteers for sure. Right. And, and that's actually a great point too, because many of them are relying upon volunteers to do a lot of this, um, which is, uh, which is great, but it increases your risk level uh, when you have volunteers involved and are they in those same files uh, able to see information that maybe they shouldn't really have their hands on. Right. So I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about some of the content that you all have put out. We saw that you've shared a children's internet usage study, uh, which is really interesting. Um, it goes into, you know, how and what children are exposed to on the internet. So I'd love to know what prompted that research, uh, what what did you find, and, and what were the key takeaways? That's a that's a great point. I appreciate you noticing that. And um, when we did this study a few years ago, there really wasn't anything out there that was looking at what younger children were doing on the internet. Uh, lots of information about high school, middle school kids, but nobody was really thinking about elementary school kids and what they were doing because they weren't really on the internet, right? That's kind of what we were thinking. Um, our study showed that 40% of elementary school children have already chatted with a stranger online. My God. And over half <laughs> of them have given out their phone number uh, already at elementary. Ugh. So, yeah, your, your reaction is exactly what we had when we looked at that. And now if that was high school kids, we would probably say, eh, it's probably low, right? 40%. But elementary school kids have already chatted with strangers online. A child, on average, gets a phone by 10 uh, at this point in time. So, yet we... We don't do anything until middle school or high school. And, and to be honest, it really prompted us as an agency to look at our own programs and say, what are we doing the, to reach the elementary school kids? How are we going to reach them? We can no longer wait until they're in middle or elementary, or excuse me, middle or high school. It's too late. At that point, we're trying to change behavior, mm -hmm. which is a much bigger challenge than trying mm -hmm. to teach somebody good lessons from the very beginning. And that's when we really started doing a reset of our programs, saying, how are we getting them out there? What are we putting out there? Uh, how are we going to engage the elementary school kids so we can start them off with good social hygiene. And so that is the, that is to say that you, the previous sort of proportion of your material had been geared toward the, the middle and high school range or older children? Yeah, it was. We had some, but, but the big thing was our delivery of it. Mm -hmm. um, it you had to be an ISC squared member in order to do it. Um, it was kind of a, it was one of the first things I, I discovered when I came on board uh, five years ago was that, so the, in order to become a volunteer, you had, you had to be an ISC squared member, which of course narrowed the field, right, all, automatically. Um, you had to do a, uh, fill out an application. You had to do a background check, another background check. We had to complete an orientation, and then we gave you a secret password to a secret website <laughs> that you could go and download a PowerPoint presentation to go to your local elementary school and, and do a, a presentation. And we looked at that and just said, wow, can, can we make this any more difficult to be a volunteer? Um, you know, we just want people to go out and, and spread the gospel, right? And, 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 and get the word out there and help teach people. And so we really, we started doing some surveys of 
members and of people and and what their real needs were um, and we and we looked at it and said that anybody can do this if we do it right you don't have to be an ic squared member you don't have to be a tech guru a, a cissp and in order to talk to younger children especially about how to be safe online because we're not getting it at you know we're not talking to second and third graders about malware and ransomware and email gateways <laughs> yeah exactly you know uh, and they're not going to ask us questions about it so anybody could go do it and, but in order to expand the reach we needed to make the program simple enough that anybody could do it. And, and that's when we came up with the Garfield program uh, that has now won multiple educational awards for us that uh, we are able to use uh, Garfield, the cat. Yep. That, that orange cat we all grew up with is now helping us teach elementary school kids how to do it. And, and, and I know you guys will find this shocking, but they would much rather watch a Garfield cartoon than to hear one of us old people up there with a, PowerPoint talking. I, I, I just don't get it. I mean, I think I would much rather watch a Garfield cartoon <laughs> than a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> but, um, but yes, that strike that is very much the right way to go because if you look at the school systems, they are all competing for STEM grants. There's big pushes to get, you know, iPads, tablets, whatever, into the hands of schools. So there's like this broad application of technology, but not a commensurate level of education about the risks that come with that technology. Um, so that, that, that is definitely the right path to go. So yeah, let's circle back to Garfield because, um, you know, we saw, uh, that after a single Garfield cyber safety lesson, um, you were able to measure that a child's safety knowledge increases an average of 28%, which is great. Um, what, do you think, other than sort of Garfield, is there anything else that you can attribute that success rate to? Yeah, the, what the program is making it such a success. Yes, Garfield obviously helps with that. But we put together the program that we are uh, engaging the children and reaching them on all the different ways that we learn. So um, the program's put together. It's a, what we call an educator kit. It's a lesson in a box. There are three different lessons that we have available right now. Privacy, safe posting, and cyberbullying are the three that are completed. We have more in the works already that we're, we're developing because it's just been so, so popular and so successful. But it has for a teacher to able to do this. So that goes back to that no longer needing to go through all these hoops. Anybody mm -hmm. can do this. It's a lesson in a box. And it's a box that has everything, a, a teacher, a librarian, a Sunday school teacher, a scout leader needs to teach 30 children. And it starts off with a cartoon. It has a, a Garfield cartoon that was created by Jim Davis and his team. I mean, the originator of Garfield. Um, we use the real Hollywood voices. We hire the actors to do it. So when we turn on that cartoon, the kids know that's Garfield. Mm -hmm. That's not Pat pretending to be Garfield. You know, right. that's, that's really Garfield and you've got their attention and it goes through and part of the way through it, it'll have them pause. Uh, the teacher leads a discussion and we've given it all to them. It's follow the bouncing ball. We give them the questions. We give them the answers that they should get from the children. Um, 
And so it engages them. They're watching, they're discussing, they're listening to it. Um, the kit also contains comic books for the kids that follows the exact same storyline. So now they're reading it, but it's even more than a comic book. It's an activity book. There's eight pages of puzzles and games and quizzes for the kids to do. So now they're being tested on their knowledge. Um, there's stickers for the kids, which always gets them excited that they get a reward. There's trading cards. It, it's just so inclusive and it engages them in all the different ways that not just children, but you and I, Mm -hmm. we all learn. You know, if you read something, that's one thing. If you read and listen to it, that's even better. If you read, listen and watch, it's even better. And we've built all of that into it. And a lesson doesn't take the 20 to 30 minutes to do uh, in a classroom because the attention span uh, right. is so short with children, um, even shorter than ours, hard to believe, but it, it uh, we had to make sure that it would keep them wanting to watch, wanting to be in tune for that short period of time. And so it, it's broken into different parts, but anybody can do it. Uh, that's what's allowed us to expand it on a, on a global basis and, and to go over the past couple of years. Um, last year, we we delivered over a hundred thousand cyber safety lessons with Garfield nice. and that's double what we did the year before and double before that. And so we're, we're, we're just exploding the program out onto the market. Yeah. I mean, returning back to this idea of early education, um, it's, it sounds similar to some of what we saw going on in some European countries vis-a-vis disinformation. They're essentially making it part of the kindergarten curriculum to like, you know, teach critical thought. So yes, I mean, getting in early is going to be much easier than um, swimming against the current when uh, some of those views have been ossified. But er earlier you had mentioned um, that darn phishing test. So I was hoping, um, do you think that there are any... Uh, learnings from the success of the Garfield program as it applies to kids that that could be um, incorporated into corporate cybersecurity awareness training, which Ashley and I have both suffered through um, and can be rather arduous. You just have it running on your screen over here while you're doing your work and you sort of fill out the quiz at the end. Um, <laughs> they're notoriously ineffective. So I was just thinking, you know, is there, are there takeaways that we could pass on? I mean, maybe adults need Garfield, but maybe there's something else there too. Well, yeah, I think the gamifying of it uh, is one of the areas that we are hoping to move to with even the Garfield. Um, mm-hmm. Right now, it's, I don't want to say static, but I mean, it's, you know, it's it's done in a, in a classroom kind of setting. And so we are moving forward to try and develop more digital content where kids can get the access to it at any point and on any of their devices don't have to just do it in the classroom. Um, but that same gamification of it, it could easily be done for for us adults too. You know, we grew up with Garfield. Garfield's 43 years old. Um, so, you know, there's literally, cat. yeah, literally generations of us that grew up with Garfield. Garfield and, and find Garfield fun. And, uh, you know, his hatred of Mondays is, uh, is business legend, right? And so, <laughs> um, and so that's part of the, uh, the thing that anything that's going to engage. And, and we see that with the trainings that we all go through the corporate trainings, there's constantly more and more trying to make it more interactive, where it's a, a, a stories being told, there's actors acting out a scenario. Um, and, and to do that with Garfield, may very well be even more fun uh, than watching some actors do it. So I think you may be onto something. 
That's great. Uh, how can people find your program? Um, our website is imcybersafe.org. Uh, imcybersafe.org. And then uh, we have, you can go there, find uh, not just, again, we, we've talked a little bit about the Garfield, but we have materials for parents. We have materials for senior citizens. Those are PowerPoints and they're designed that you could go and volunteer and put it on. So put it on for your child's PTA, uh, the parents' presentation, volunteer at the library or at a senior center and put on the seniors' presentation. That one focuses a little more on scams, mm-hmm. uh, which is what seniors are really becoming victims of. And so we've tried to create some things there. The, the idea behind it is kind of where we started was we are producing the materials that you can go use. Um, we all know how long it takes to do uh, to put together any presentation. What am I going to talk about what are my slides going to look like right we've done all that and it was all put together with the the direction and guidance and, and input and editing of isc squared members so we look at it it's it's been vetted by the best cybersecurity professionals in the world of what we should be teaching and the proper things that people should be doing and so it's it's all done and ready to go we script it even for you if you need a script it's all right there and you could go put those presentations on for you but um, on our website as well you'll uh, uh, we do scholarships college scholarships now we've just ended our round for this year um, but uh, this fall we'll start taking applications again we're going to give away this year I think it looks like about $190,000 in, in college scholarships and financial wow. aid for uh, for females for graduate undergraduate veterans we have different programs that are being sponsored uh, not just by ISC squared but Raytheon no before uh, SAIC all sponsor mm-hmm. scholarships that we manage and uh, they're all all of them are geared towards cybersecurity information security it's for those who are going into that field to try to help them and, and we're doing we're talking about significant scholarships many of these are like ten thousand dollar scholarships so uh, you know it's not a couple hundred dollars to put towards your books where they're really trying to make a difference some of them even come with um, uh, paid summer internships as well to really help a student get that real life experience that they need to break into the cyber world when they uh, when they get their degree. That's good. I like to think of that as you guys are investing at a very young age, so you just lessen the headache for cybersecurity professionals <laughs> when when they come into the workforce. So well, that's part of the hope, and and the whole idea of reaching out to the elementary school kids is to is to do that, so they learn at a young age not to share their personal information, not to give out their password. You know, what's interesting is we don't really teach much at that age towards the platform. So we don't talk about Facebook. We don't mm-hmm. talk about Snapchat. We don't talk about Instagram because those will all change. Yeah, you got a future proof. Years, there'll be something different, but it doesn't matter. You still don't give out your password. You still think about that picture before you post or, or what you're saying. Is it is it really funny or could it actually hurt somebody when you say that? And, and we try to mix all that in. And, and something else that's kind of interesting, it ties uh, all of this together with the scholarships and, and uh, helping get more people in the industry. In the Garfield program, there's actually two new characters that Jim Davis created for us. Um, one is a um, 
is a robot because you got to have a robot. Um, Naturally. Just, you know, you got to have a robot. But the other one is Dr. Cybrina. And we had to create Dr. Cybrina out of necessity, really, because cartoon characters have personalities. They have characteristics that you can't go away from. Garfield's really good at two things, eating and sleeping. So for Garfield to all of a sudden become a cybersecurity expert would be out of his character. It wouldn't make sense. Right. The kids wouldn't, what? You know, where'd that come from? You know, kind of thing. And so he couldn't be the one teaching the lessons. So we created Dr. Cybrina, who is a CISSP. I mean, you know, you That's right. uh, and so, um, but we made it a female on purpose. We wanted to try to encourage girls to think about STEM careers. Uh, we all know in all the industries, security being one of those, but all the sciences, not enough girls are going and choosing that as a career. So it's, it was a subtle little way to do it. It allowed us to create a character that Garfield and Nermal and Arlene and all the, the regular cast of friends on, uh, on your Garfield comics and cartoons were able to go to. And she uh, is the one who does the education. And, and she's a lot of fun. She is it's a really cool character that we created. And then the robot is her assistant. So uh, so we have a lot of fun with. But we really try to tie everything that we're doing together to, uh, to help the industry going forward, to help families stay safe and secure online today and, and, and des- developing it so that those kids will stay safe for the rest of their lives. That's great. I mean, representation matters for sure. Um, we know about, uh, you know, national Cybersecurity Awareness Month. Uh, there's uh, National Data Privacy Day. Is there um, something that pertains just to the to your center? Do you have any national days or events that we should be aware of? No, right. We we capitalize on all those because mm-hmm. they're just great PR opportunities. Because there's whether it be for a week, a day, or a month, at least people are thinking and talking about it. So it, it enhances the conversation. We have created uh, an event that's kind of an interesting thing. We call them Cyber Safety Days. Okay. Uh, and what it is is we kind of do a little takeover uh, in a city. We we've done them so far in New Orleans, uh, Orlando, and Tampa. Uh, we are working on one this fall for Pittsburgh, New York City, Toronto. Uh, We'll actually be back in Orlando again. And and what we do is we reach out and create a partnership between the local schools, the elementary schools, the district, local businesses. Um, All the programs we have on our website, imcybersafe.org, are free with the exception of the Garfield one. Uh, the Garfield, there's there's licensing and there's printing. I mean, when you see the, the educator kit that we do in a classroom literally weighs six pounds. There's that much material in it. And, and as a nonprofit, as a charity, we're, we, we sell that to recoup our cost. But local businesses, what we do is local businesses team up and provide that to all the third graders oh, nice. in those cities. So we, we did it in New Orleans for... Three over 3,000 children. We did it in Orlando last fall. Over 6,600 students got it uh, all in one day. Uh, the one we did in Tampa, we did it on Data Privacy Day. It was uh, 10,500 third graders at 106 elementary schools all got the Garfield program in one day. And uh, it just really was a fun event. It created a lot more awareness, local businesses, uh, national companies are getting involved with us as well uh, to provide the program. So that's become a big growing opportunity for us because 
in all of this, the challenge becomes twofold with the schools. Um, one is this hasn't been on their radar right. uh, at all. And again, back to the COVID, maybe now it will be. Um, when we get back to the schools this fall, we'll see. But it, it becomes a little more prominent. It wasn't on their radar. And of course, school funding is always an issue. And so it was these two challenges that we had to overcome. And we have learned that the cyber safety days allow us to do that. Um, some of that's come from companies. Some of it we have a group of volunteers in Toronto um, that have run a golf outing and raised the money to provide every third grader in the Toronto school district with the Garfield cyber safety lesson. Uh, and we're going to do that this fall. We're talking 20,000 children uh, are going to get the program in one day because of volunteers uh, saying, we want this for our kids. We're going to do great. that. And so we're looking for more cities to do that. We're looking for more ways companies can get involved with us by uh, sponsoring Sponsoring their local school, providing it to them, or getting involved on a bigger scale and, and helping us with cyber safety days in their community. So it's this isn't just about individuals. There's great opportunities for businesses uh, to get involved and, and be good corporate social responsible people. Good. That's like a, a, a mass cyber inoculation, like yeah. <laughs> of an entire population. Um, great. Well, um, Pat, thank you very much for for taking the time uh, today. We really appreciate it. It was really fascinating and um, really applaud the work that that you all are doing. Thank you very much. We're having a great time doing it. We've got a lot of great people that are uh, committed to it, and we're just growing, and I hope your listeners will uh, check us out. Again, I am cybersafe.org. You can find us on LinkedIn and and Twitter and Facebook, all those places as well, and uh, get constant updates of uh, what we're happening and find ways to get involved. We need it. All right. Thanks very much. Thank you. Thank you. That wraps another episode of the Zero Hour brought to you by Safeguard Cyber. Many thanks to Abby Bruce for sound design and production, Matthias Cefaletti for our theme music, and to our guests, as always, for lending their time and insights. Stay safe, stay strong. This is the Zero Hour, signing off for now. Mm-hmm.